welcome back to what we're calling, I guess, the old Doctor Who show presents the Sandman. Uh, this is episode three, uh, where your uh, your your hosts Eric and Dan, who typically talk about a old children's television show, decided yep, we... to instead talk about a comic book that came to life on Netflix. Yeah, it's for a, some uh, reason. If you enjoy right? our uh, science fiction banter. You'll love mm-hmm. our streaming banter. Or or you won't. And that's okay, too. But let's talk about Eric. Hey, Eric. Hi, Dan. You're Eric, and I'm Dan. We I feel like I think, haven't I talked to you we... in so long. It's been, it's been minutes. It's been. It's been. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about uh, Sandman on Netflix, episode three, Dream a Little Dream. Yeah, so let's just. Oh, my me. gosh. My dog's back in. Get you, get you your own mic. Yes, let's just jump into it. Let's punch let's the raven. It. Here it comes. Well, no, I'm going to tell you a little synopsis. So, uh, Wait, Morpheus. no, we punch the raven before we get to the synopsis. That's the thing that okay. we go from our banter hey, to hit, hey, the, button, to the, hey, Eric, hit the button uh, to the sound the of the TARDIS to the clip from the show to the episode stuff. So now we don't have that information. So we, we talk, we banter, banter. Then you punch the raven. Then we make raven noises. And then you come in and you say, synopsis. Wait, what are we doing? Uh. <laughs> okay, Eric. All right, Let's Dan. Why don't you raven. punch that raven? All right. Jesus. <laughs> this is this is Dan Van episode three, Dream a Little Dream of Me. Uh, Morpheus heads to New York to find his sand, and we meet Joanna Constantine, a magic-using exorcist and private detective of all things arcane. Gotta have that uh, sand. Eth- Ethel D. and uh, John have a, have a heart-to-heart, resulting in John leaving the hospital uh, in order to regain the ruby. Uh, Morpheus and Joanna find themselves uh, uh, find the, the, the bag of sand and have to deal with the consequences of a mortal's addiction to dreams. Uh, we meet Matthew the Raven, uh, voiced by, uh, you know, unrecognizable, just dissolves yeah, into have, the character. You have uh, no idea that Pat Oswalt No idea it. who it could possibly be. You, it really, really just melts into the character. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what happens. Uh, so, yeah, we get some, some flashbacks to, to bad old days of demons and some nightmares, and uh, we get introduced to some big characters. Eric, um, tell me, what did you think... Of episode three of the Sand Aman. I also really enjoyed episode three, Dan. Uh, possibly more mm. than the other two. Possibly, it's pretty close. I really like the last one. I like this one. I thought the story moves really well. I liked, I liked the witch spooky elements of it. I liked mm-hmm. how they used her ex-girlfriend. Then there's like these nice touching moments and you give, you know, Dream a chance to show that he has some heart. I did not like any of the Matthew stuff, unfortunately. No oh boy. It's like, oh uh, it's hard because like, we, you mentioned it, I think, in our when we did episode one, the audio isn't quite right. It's like too loud and it's hard to make it's hard to do that. It's hard to, you know, that's why Jim Henson and Frank Oz were are such geniuses because it's hard to make something that's not real appear real. 
mm-hmm. within a world with real people. Uh, right. Whereas if I'm watching um, Sesame Street or The Muppet Show or something, you lose yourself in these places where you feel like, yeah. oh, th- that's a real person talking to like and there's something about and i think it's the audio and maybe it's a little bit because i know pat oswald's voice so much that it just instantly Mm -hmm. breaks that illusion and with the bird and it doesn't really feel like the bird is talking it just feels like there's a bird on screen and also pat oswald is talking from off screen he's just patton's off (laughs) yeah just slightly (laughs) off off camera no and i don't love all of the lines that they give him and 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 yeah. I know Matthew spoke a certain way and had a certain personality, but all of the extra f bombs and stuff, and that that picks up more in the next episode. Yes, is like yeah. too much. It's just too much. I feel like they just need to to ease back on it a little bit and let us get to know him. It's like it's some it's like too much. And from a from yeah. a storytelling perspective, I get it because you need a character that doesn't know the world. That has to ask questions like, oh, that you was nice that, that you did that, or why did you do that, or what's this mean, or why are we here, or whatever. And that makes sense. So I understand why they made the choice to bring him in. I just, it's been my least favorite part of this. That said, I liked all of the stuff with Joanna Constantine. I mm-hmm. thought, even start, even showing like they add that scene of her doing the exorcism. That was not in the book. You hear about, yep. in the comic, it's John Constantine. You know he has a nightmare uh, that Dream yeah. eventually forgives him of. But in here, you see it, which you, I don't remember. I don't think you ever see it in the comic. Well, you don't. You don't see it in the Sandman comics. Apparently, that okay, was Okay, well, maybe Hel- it's in like a That Hellblazer was Hellblazer. It was Hellblazer episode, or uh, Number eleven, Newcastle. Okay, see, I never read Hellblazer, so the scenes in Netflix is that is that like basically what would yeah. have happened in Hellblazer? Okay, yeah. that's for yeah. that's uh, apparently cool yeah. It took place took place in a nightclub. Uh, There's the girl Astra Loge who dies. Um, that's Constantine's. It's the same nightmare that Constantine has. Constantine, sorry, has in the book as. She has in the show. Um, it's all the same uh, thing. So they wanted to pay. They wanted to pay that off. They wanted yeah. to pay homage to the character of Hellblazer by bringing that into the show. I, I thought that was cool, and I didn't know great. that. It was so great. like that was yep. me with having any baggage. I liked all of that yep. stuff. I liked her character. I liked Mad Hattie and getting to see her finally. Oh, love it. And yes. how? And that's right out of the like. This one felt the most to well, the book of some of them. I mean, there there's changes to like the flesh house and they remove the uh, oh, father boy. being absorbed into the house. But all of the yeah. main beats are pretty much right out of it. I mean, yeah, a guy doesn't break into the freaking house and then, you know, get lost in get his absorbed. thing. But there was yeah. so much of it that was like, oh yeah, that's, you know, that was right from that piece. You know, and they're talking about even like I think he doesn't he talk about uh, the dream of falling or something in the uh, mm-hmm. comic as well, and that's that's from the comic. So it was, I was impressed. You're shaking your head. No, you felt felt it it diverged. Yeah, no, I I think it's like we said in the previous um, discussion of, of episode two. There were significant changes, but they were all for the good. They all helped streamline the story in a way that yeah. What was significant? Well, though? 
Well, I think I think mainly it is the addition of the exorcism, which I think was great. I agree, totally good. Loved seeing um, Joanna Constantine get Constantine uh, get to have more of that kind of role. The character of John Constantine. Let's say that this is, let's say it is a one to one sort of swap, Joanna for for John. Though I feel like there's going to be something different going on there. The fact that she's the same actress, she is Joanna and. Joanna Constantine from the from the 1800s. I, there's something else going on there, but let's saying it's a one for one. John Constantine in the book is much grubbier. He lives in what seems to be like a basement apartment. He's yeah, just but, kind of I like mean, a, they a do all that. Kind of they do all that. Like he comments not, on her place not being a mess, and she she's like, no, 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 no. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Be a mess. Totally different yeah. though. Photo like it's a mess is, is one it? thing. The the mess is one thing. They kept that, but she's in a seemingly like penthouse apartment she's up in the skyline she's has these big windows in a beautiful place it's a mess but that's who she is she's also working for the the royal family that's not something john constantine would necessarily do this is she's more kind well, of she's not working for the royal does. family right the church hired the royal family and the church hired well, no. her possibly but she makes reference to i don't i'm not getting she, she oh, has again. a throwaway yeah. line of like not wanting to get involved with him again that line felt so doctor who-y Especially a newer Doctor Who. That was like that would be yes. something that the Doctor would have said if something Absolutely. came up. Like I'm not getting involved with Shakespeare again. Like you know. Right, right, right. And she and she did say like the last when she told the Queen this. Like so, there's there's she's just a different type of character. Maybe she's just more successful version of what John Constantine was. But I didn't read Hellblazer either. I don't for sure. Just looking at the comic, there is a translation there that is different. I don't have a deep like Hellblazer knowledge base either. So, And I'm sure like a hardcore Hellblazer, John Constantine, whatever, I'm going to say whatever I feel like. I'm going to say Constantine as well. And, you know, would be like, they got it wrong or they, or they, but for me, like it totally worked. And like, I didn't, I felt like the, the changes were all mine. Like I didn't think there was any, significant changes whereas there's going to be significant changes coming and even before this there was some you know making the um doing it again the corinthian i just can't like adding him to me that's like a significant change whereas these are all sort of like i was very surprised like how much it was like oh okay that that was like i all the way through in one complete episode and how well that single issue i think works really well yeah, that's one. Of, that's such I, a great I issue. I love that issue of the comic. It's just such a nice character piece for for both of them. Yeah, I don't disagree. I, I I'm saying that I like both stories. I like the the I like the changes they made in the show. It works for the show. It works for the characters they're trying to set up, and I think what they're going to do with the characters in the future. I'm guessing. Um, and, but the beats that they do keep are very one-to-one that feels really good but anyway so so maybe jumping back to the beginning uh we start off with uh joanna constantine's nightmare that she has um going down that hallway i love the visual effects that long black hallway going to the door that's shaking and you know there's like a demon behind it it was a great introduction to this character um and then you see her like waking up in a cab so you realize there's a dream going on and then you get to meet mad hetty mad hetty is one of these characters that is they, she doesn't appear very much in this in the book, but for some reason really stuck with me. She's just one of these characters that like it's it's not necessarily an incidental character, but it's not a major character, but still has the same sort of role in the in the show as she did in the book, and I love it. I just I yeah, love they kept all, it very true. 
you, you um, she said she she owns the page as i just said i don't think they say it i was gonna say as they say i don't know if anyone says that do but say that 100 like one of those people that's on screen for like five minutes and you Seconds, think about them really all the time. it's nothing like yeah. uh, uh glenn gary glenn ross um alec baldwin is hardly in it but that's what people walk away from um yeah that's true that's i don't true. remember I do remember we talked about how uh, the John D scene with his yes. mother is in this episode, whereas I was that's right talking about it last episode, and I don't remember what got cut or what didn't get cut because I haven't edited it yet. Um, so let's just approach that. So that is that is a big change to this episode of the right. show. But anyway, the significant change that happened affects issue two. And not issue three. Does that make sense? Yes. 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 So yes. that significant change is so much better, I feel, in the show. And that is that you see his mother die in front of him as opposed to, hey, hey, kid. Part never made sense. Hey, kid, your mom died and she left you this magic uh, bracelet or whatever magic eyeball it was like it was yeah. very much in the comic it was very much an eyeball on a chain here it, it is as well but it's much more stylized no i like this too because it, it really shows that ethel maybe she wasn't always this way but she they have the whole conversation about her trying to protect him his entire life moving from place to place trying to mm -hmm. stay an, ahead of you know possibly morpheus coming after them um or you know the boyfriend the abusive boyfriends but she was always trying to keep john safe um whether that was actually true or not, John would probably disagree and say that she was never truthful to him. But in the end, she really was sacrificing, literally sacrificing her life to keep him safe right. uh, by giving him the ambulance protection, which is the thing that had kept her uh, alive as long as it had and relatively young compared to her 100-something-year uh, actual age. And she dies in his arms. I think that was a really nice addition to this. Um, and it just sets sets John off on this path of, of destruction that, that carries on through the next few stories as well. I do like that they intercut that story with the John, Joanna, Constantine story. Um, just that back and forth kind of breaks it up in a way that I think really helped the rhythm of this, this episode as well. Yeah, um, it works. And I, I to correct myself, I said that that scene, when he doesn't get that power protection thing until the fourth issue. And it's like the very last, it's like an epilogue of the hell right. issue. But oh, is right. it then? Okay. Gets the eyeball. okay. The meeting yeah, happens in the it. second. The eyeball happens right. in the fourth issue. They At put the them all in between. Totally works. I think it works. Brings their relationship better, allows you to get more into John's head. All of that more was really smart that. storytelling. I liked, yeah. I liked how all of that. And I, I, I love him. Like he is so, like anytime he's on screen... Like the actor, just, the portrayal. The actor is yeah, it's fantastic. fantastic. With the portrayal, like it's 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 great. The perfect villain, thus far. Yeah, um, I yeah. feel like in this story, more so I even than the Corinthian. Like he, I guess maybe we'll I'll save it until we get to the diner episode twenty four seven. But he really explains. Well, actually, no, it's even it's it's probably even uh, the next story. It's a hope and hell when uh, the passenger. He's kind of explaining his entire theory about humanity in a way that I don't really think came through in the book so much. In the book, it was much more shock and no, horror. No, in the book, he's this just is sort of crazy. Disgusting. Like, yeah, he's just sort of like, and he looks in the show, physically... But it has more, yeah. 
like torn apart. He's, he's, he's like, like basically like, like a, a scribble a scribble shadow. Yes. Like yeah. Um, I thought that was great. Going back a second to, to Matthew, because I just want to weigh in on this and just beat up on Patton Oswalt. I don't think it's his fault. I think, I think the casting was not a great choice simply because his voice is so recognizable. But I know that he is a super fan of comic books and of the Sandman in particular. I was talking to a friend about this as well. Um, he felt the same way. It sounds mostly like the audio mix is bad. It's brought up too high in the mix. And it also sounds like he was recording in my office here where you're probably getting disgusted by the echo that you're getting. It doesn't sound like the voice is coming from the same environment as the actors on screen. So it just feels mismatched. And I think if they had fixed those technical issues and made it fit more seamlessly in, I wouldn't have had as much problem with Patton Oswalt voicing the character. I love Patton. I just would have rather had someone that was more nondescript to allow the function of Matthew, the audience surrogate, to actually be more fully realized. You can't feel that way because you keep think I keep thinking, oh, that's that famous actor, comedian, Patton Oswalt. It's not me. It's not the audience jumping in here. It's going to be a risk no matter when you cast anyone. We'll see this later when you have Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn Christie cast as Lucifer. Like, there's certain moments that will just necessarily we can't talk about pull, pull it yet, you out. That I'm not. wig. I'm just saying, we got to get better. We got to get better wig people in Hollywood. I don't. I let's okay. save that. Cause we'll I, don't, save. I don't know if I disagree. I don't know if I agree. Really? Um, I, I I think we'll in general, out. though, we'll find out next time. You can see a lot this of bad wigs. Um, let's talk about the Corinthian in this. So only on screen for a moment, yeah, really. But seemed great. a little odd. I, I found it. it odd that they. So he goes to see Ethel Cripps. Mm-hmm. Was that in the previous one or this one? Can't yep. remember. Doesn't matter. Just bear with me. Uh, she actually, we didn't even talk about that the last time. Yes, yeah, she. We, I think we briefly. Right. He go. He, she uses her her magic ring, uh, to or magic. Pendant or whatever protection, which then yes. kills the kills in quotes the Corinthian. He's sent back into the dreaming. He pops yep. up just for like this short conversation with Lucian, yeah. just to sort of I don't know, just to for exposition, like just to say, "There's here's where I am. Where are you? I'm here." Well, and then he walks away and just leaves. The, like he can just pop in and out of the dreaming without any kind of thing. And it's just, that Absolutely. part felt like, well, why was that there at all? Like, so I think it's setting up something for, for later. It's and he not, literally pops up strong. right where she, like, it was like, I don't know. I, I didn't love that part. I felt, felt a little clunky. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't think it was the most perfectly executed, but I think it is setting things up for later. The fact that, that we see, I, we should have talked about this in the previous story, but now that we see this here, um, John D now has the ambulance protection. Someone tries to take an aggressive action against him. Instead of the, so the guard shoots him, and instead of like the bullet like flying back and shooting him in the head, instead he actually like kind of comes apart, and unwinds, and splatters in gore yeah, against the wall. Yeah, splatters you. In the in the previous in, in episode two, we see this with the Corinthian as well. He brings out the knife and is going to attack Ethel. The amulet kind of dissolves him. He kind of un you know becomes undone. But he doesn't die. The dream doesn't die. The nightmare doesn't die. He goes back to the dreaming and then can leave again. That does actually, to some extent, play later. So I'm just going to leave it at that. We'll there's okay. we'll revisit this in a later episode. Sure. So there is something that's useful there. And I think the fact that, that Lucienne is right there on the shores of the dreaming when the Corinthian comes back perhaps speaks to the fact that for 100 years she was 
in control of the dreaming. She was the surrogate master while Dream was gone. So it seems to me like plausible that she knows what's going on. She's able to do this. In the book, she's doing a census of all the different um, entities throughout the dreaming. Um, here she, you know, she just knows like, hey, this this nightmare is gone, this dream is gone. Da, da, da. I feel like she just knows what is going on in the dreaming in a way that Morpheus would if he were there. Yeah, and because it just Morpheus feels like is a not there, clunky that like he pops up right after he's gone. Like if he had been a little bit, it is a little early, Deus Ex Machina. It was fine, but it's all yeah, everything's it's good. But I liked his appearance at the end of this one uh, with John D. Uh, gives him his coat and sends yeah. him on his way because it was just just enough creepy. Um, so you get these two... Yeah, he's got like a Slugworth vibe, right? So he's yeah, like popping yeah, yeah, yeah. up to all these little children going to the chocolate factory and being like, everything's fine. Just get me that uh, everlasting everlasting gobstopper when you go inside, right? Yeah. Um, so then we get the... I guess we hinted at this before, talked a little bit, but like the scene with Rachel, um, Joanna's ex... Yeah. In the book is much more horror based. You have the like you mentioned. There's the the creeper that comes in um, to kind of burglarize the place, but gets uh, eaten by dreams. Basically, yes. the house is all covered in gore and and yeah, the house is is physically like the flesh of the dad. I think Mor- Morpheus at one point says like that's the remnants because they like put their finger in it. And it's all like living tissue. Yes, intermixed with other dreams that are trapped yeah, in there as well, because they recognize Morpheus. So it's, it's it is mess. a living nightmare. But in this, they don't go for the horror. Instead, they go more for the, the personal side of it, which is also in the book. Uh, Rachel having become addicted to Yeah, that's the sand. Right, right out of the book. In the book, it's much, it's more, even more disgusting. She's like her skin's falling off, and she's. They had that uh, in this, though. Like I thought they did a she, really good job of showing I, her completely emaciated and like a complete junkie who is just I doing the sand. I thought that was. They pretty... did enough. They did enough in the show to give you the point of what's happening. I think in the book they just go further into it to play up the horror side of it. So, like I'm saying, in the in the show, it's more of about the character and the situation they're in whereas in the book it is that but it's also the gore and horror comic vibe so i and i think it's a change for the better i think it works better in the story to be something that is more humane um to really just talk about this woman who was heartbroken she was left uh by this woman that she loves that didn't reciprocate the feelings as far as she right. knew but you can't really you can't top that her. that like splash page when you see her like sitting up at the bed oh god it's like singing dream dream a little dream yeah so i can't i can't uh co-sign on anything being better but but i loved it i I think better i mean that's i think it was better for the story (laughs) that they're trying to tell so i like that um and but it ends the same way giving her uh, a peaceful dream yeah and it's like the same thing right they're like lovely together and that was cool it was all good yeah so there's that. I mean, there's. I we didn't really talk about. But then the, you the get like the itself. the. Sorry, you get the the moment with Constantine, Constantine, uh, Frankenstein. Frankenstein. In the comic, it's the two of them sharing the moment, and then he goes to hell. And in this, you just get that added. I'm bringing Matthew with me, but I love that shot of like him leaning down. I think that's from that scene where he's leaning down, Dream is leaning down, and the talking to the raven it was in like the trailer and everything, in the alleyway, 
mm-hmm. which is I think how this episode ends before he yep. he I love that. Even though I yeah. I don't love the Matthew bits as much. I I love that. Right. That's such a striking image. A lot of the cinematography and camera here. work. You already talked about how it mimics how beautiful the, the comic can be. Some of the but panels, they did yeah. really like. I almost want to see some of these, on uh, in like a in a movie theater. Like like yeah. Well, I have to, I have to save it for when we go to hell. But like some of these like, IMAX huge fan. shots, these expansive shots, and it just it's really really well put together really well realized i i agree um i don't think there's much else that i mean i i love i did really like the exorcism scene i think i said this to you before i would not be surprised if they try to do a help laser or joanna constantine uh spinoff i think that'd be really interesting you heard it setting... you heard heard it here first folks i mean she is i've oh i've loved jenna coleman from when i first saw her in doctor who and all those stories i know the character had its had its faults and what they did with it but i i really liked her performance i think she's equally fantastic in this um they gave her that the whole exorcism scene i like that they do kind of a switcheroo on you you think it's the princess that's uh uh possessed but instead it's the the groom and that scene of the demon coming out of his mouth was incredible like that felt like a comic book it felt so beautifully realized and so over the top yeah, and cool. insane and it was done so well she's got that whole flirtation going on with rick the vic uh the vicar which i think was really cool there's just a lot to that character um, yeah I, so i would I, not again sure wouldn't be surprised if they do more with it discussed at some point because absolutely not, i've seen i saw a number of people talking about that but yeah Straight. i think we we can put a bow on this one dan we can put a bow on okay. episode three wrap it up send it out the door uh next time we're gonna go to hell uh, Dan and we're I, hell. we're going to hell uh, for a hope in hell where yeah. we get another trinket. So if you like the, we got the sand now, very much a fetch questy uh, yeah. video game structure of this uh, Preludes and Nocturnes. So we've got our sand. Uh, now we're going to go get our, our helm. Let's go for so it. Let's do All it. All right. All right. Until so, folks, next if you want to get people. in touch with us, uh, I'm Dan J and J on Twitter. Yes. Eric's at egressum. Yeah. We got T O D W show. We got darking, darking <laughs> bogs and barking dogs. <laughs> the mail's here. All right. Let's hit stop. Uh, so you can, uh, sorry, you can you can reach us at the old Doctor Who oh. show at gmail.com, uh, TODW show on Twitter. Yep. Um, let us know what you think about this. Let we're going to do the rest of them. And uh, big news that happened uh, as we're recording this oh, two today. News. Two additional episodes of the Sandman drops. We had the original 10 stories that was Preludes and Nocturnes and mm-hmm. the Doll's House. Yep. And now uh, two one shots. Uh, one of Dream of Cats, which I absolutely love as a, as a standalone issue. Can't wait to see that. And then one with Persephone, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Calliope. No, it's Calliope. Yeah. Um, Calliope being a uh, Which is a hard, well. like, it's going to be interesting to see how That's going to be a one, tough one to see. Not, so um... we'll see what happens there. Anyway, really great. So we're going to carry through yep. uh, as long as you folks yep. like this. And as long as you keep paying us the big bucks, we'll keep telling you our dumb thoughts about pop culture. Um, anyway, thank you folks for listening. Thank you all. Until next time. See you in the
Don't have nobody to 